0: Something
1: went on here, something went on there. This time on TNT. We talk yacht rock. Happy Thanksgiving, buds! And Jer remembers Eddie Van Halen. That's all coming up right now on TNT. Hello! Hello! Happy Thanksgiving, bud. Happy T giving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. What are you thankful for, Jeremy? Family for sure,
0: 100%. Yep. The family, uh, my my wife, Lisa, the kids, and how awesome they are. That's it. I could not be more thankful for that. You? How about yourself?
1: Same, definitely. Um, Yeah. Thankful for our health. Thankful for having uh, them home for the last few months. Thankful that I'm able to make a living without traveling. Um, thankful for Carol's uh wiseness and judgment and uh consistency um yeah, like obviously bit of a weird year for people, but um, you know, maybe it takes something as simple as Thanksgiving for you to pause for a <clears> second, <throat> second and think, you know what this too shall pass, and in the big picture, I'm pretty lucky,
0: yeah. Well, that's it. You got to. I mean, there hasn't been any uh, period in history where optimism is needed on every turn of, of your day. Like now, you mean? Yeah, you have to. You have to stay. The you got to keep it on the high road of everything, or else you're just gonna kind of trip all the time. So So, you know, know, I think there there's a positive to every. Everything, right? Everything that you do, whether, you know, when you, when you wake up, how you want to feel, what you want to do, that the, there's a, a, a choice that brings on uh, happiness or sadness, whether so on every step. So you have to just try and keep it, uh, keep it positive. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that cre- that's more work than, than not, but uh, it's worth it, I think.
1: What is the work? Like, they're they're talking about, um, you know, obviously the season is changing, it's getting into colder weather, the potential for a second wave, like, all that stuff can really compound to make it difficult from a mental health standpoint. What, What do you think people can do on a daily basis or as an exercise to kind of keep the skies blue?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like... If you, if you look at the floor and it's like there's dust on it and stuff, it, it's kind of affecting, you know, then just vacuuming. You know, the, the, it's, it is work, but when it's done and you see there's nothing on the floor, even though it's something that simple, it's better than, it's a positive as opposed to just like forgetting about it for another day or exercise or taking a walk. You know, every, you know, sometimes you don't want to, you don't feel like going outside or you don't feel like doing anything. That kind of work where it's like, absolutely, it's uh, beneficial once you start, right? Like take, you know, sometimes even taking a shower is difficult. You don't feel like it. But when you're washing yourself, it's actually, yeah, this is better than not.
1: Do you find generally if. You do one thing, then you're kind of inspired to do another, or you do one thing, and then you're like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm, that's good, I, I got that done. I'm gonna stop now. Well,
0: that no, like I said, it's continual, right? So it's, uh, um, w- whatever's in front of you, task wise, is better done than putting it off. Obviously, because if you just leave it, then it, you're kind of start a new. Pain that continues, and I'm, talk- I'm not talking about necessarily little things, but sometimes there's stuff that that uh, y- you normally wouldn't think that you have to do. Like uh, I don't know, like usually it's something like exercise, right? For me, like I should uh, exercise more, and I know it's it's uh, something that I've kind of struggled with more, but if you think about it it's not going to get easier and this time next year or five years from now so you know uh the the worry about kind of being frail and old and not having muscle mass (laughs) it's legit yeah because it's uh we talked about that before everyone that's you know age is a is a is kind of a disease more than anything, because there's all these little things that can go wrong. But if you keep on top of everything, including whatever chemicals make up that your body is, trying to keep things preserved and maybe even keep, th- you know, fire stuff around to keep, uh, pr- new energy going, whether it be, um, learning new things or, uh, uh, you know, muscle memory in a new area right I know when my kids are playing piano it kind of takes me back to when I first started practicing drums and those light bulbs going off of things uh, happening like when you figure something out uh, I still remember those feelings of being able to like oh now I can play this as you know when I couldn't
1: that's, Especially uh, when you start putting together, like, wait a second, I can play that song I heard on the radio? That's a huge moment in music.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's not, I mean, it's it's not that far away if you don't, like, uh, those little steps. It's like uh, if you're trying to learn, like, a, a three-chord song or something. It's, it's, a, it's not impossible, and it's hugely fulfilling. It's a good move, learning a song. Even playing uh, simple drum beats. I know you dig it when you get down there and just start firing off some licks. I really dig it. Playing playing along with music and f- put the headphones on and then you jam out till some dire straits.
1: Yeah, I really dig it.
0: I sent you the mandolin rain the other day. It's Yacht it Rock. Ca- it came on the Yacht Rock channel. <clears throat> so it's like, that's yeah, that, and then I was, I was thinking, I was like, well, who, it's in that... Uh, the ballpark has to be soft rock with solid musicianship. So, like, come on. I, mean, I know, he, but I would have said, of,
1: isn't yacht rock like 70s?
0: No, early 80s, too, to mid 80s.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: Yeah. It's like from, it's basically 70, 70s to 85, I would say, the cutoff. Like, because Huey Lewis still f- definitely fits in the ballpark. Does he? For sure.
1: This is it Do you up.
0: like if that ain't like cr- coming up let on the front no <laughs> that's totally it because it's they're all crushing it that's super slick it's it checks the box of like having you know precision recording and like all the, the those boxes
1: I'd like to see I, the I range like... and the news in a head-to-head <laughs> oh, music man. showcase well
0: and the other, day, there are some. I would argue, like I was listening to that channel, and then Stairway to Heaven came on. I'm like, this is that's not Yacht Rock. That is totally, I don't know what the hell the programmer was thinking there, because that's absolutely not. It's way too aggressive, and it's uh, there's way too much um, individual uh, signature in it, in a sense. <laughs>
1: right. Do you know
0: what I mean? Like, there's just way too much, there's nobody's, no one's holding back at all. And, the, and Yacht Rock is all holding back. Even if they're shredding, they're holding back. It's not like, you don't hear cymbals shaking and going off out of hand. Everything is tight and
1: it's pretty classic. Like, when so, yeah. you, when you Google Yacht Rock, Michael McDonald comes up. For sure, yeah. Uh, Christopher Cross, sailing is a classic.
0: Yeah. For some reason, there's so many songs that'll have ocean or you know, out on the water or easy breeze, like all those things, like summer breeze by Seals and Crofts. That's a that's yacht classic rock, right. yacht rock. So yeah, it, ha- it has to have those. those so I, if- that's why I think I think you probably like. I know you're not a big fan of 70s music but no. like there, there's a lot of those jams that you'd be like oh man I remember this this is classic
1: so if sailing <laughs> is a yacht rock jam does that automatically mean um once in your life you'll find her the Arthur theme that's yeah, so huge he's, yacht rock he's a yacht rock artist it's yes. not that the song is yacht rock so is Chicago yacht rock yes
0: yes yeah, but only like their more mellow stuff. Like that, uh, for, for, uh, like that, that, what's that? If you leave yeah. it. Yeah, that, that's like a, that is a classic Yacht Rock. But that's what about great Saturday song, in the Park? Sure. Totally. that's a, Yes, for sure. Yeah, because they're just laying it down. And then
1: it's <laughs> great. That's a great the, song. Uh, the
0: uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like you, you you they're usually like really crafty songwriting. Like the, the Steely Dan, for example, is like crazy good for that. But it like sailing that song is actually like Christopher Cross I I saw on Spotify, you know, when they do the little genius lyrics thing. They tell you about the back... They give you the little throw throwdown on the song. He wrote that when he was broke in New York, living in an apartment, and he was messing around with Joni Mitchell tunings, like on the guitar. And Joni Mitchell was a, is a genius when it came to that. So many artists uh, have gone to her tunings or just the way she tuned guitar just to, for ideas because she just came up with all these incredible ways of tuning the guitar to, to make chords just have so many different uh, feels, right? So that sailing, it's a very monotone kind of out there chord that he's tripping on and then it go like it's it's kind of one of those things if you heard that you'd be like, what the hell? That is not a pop song at all. It's really dark and kind of weird and the chorus is Even though it's big and bright, it's still dark, but then it goes, in the bridge, it goes to this completely different place that has like three different key changes, just to kind of take you away. What is
1: the bridge? Just the dream and the wind, carry me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it goes like, ding, 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 ding. It goes into this just like big, crazy piano. (inaudible) (laughs) 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 Right, it's (laughs) not.
0: Three key changes. Yeah, Just to, it's like a palate cleanser just to get you away from how monotone the, the rest of it is. But it took him like two years to come up with that bridge. He said otherwise it just needed... It had to go somewhere completely different or else it was just not going to work. So, yeah. Got to give some credit to the pro- chops and the songwriting and the art rock
1: Well, this is the crazy thing. Sailing... <laughs> Sounds like you're sailing.
0: Yeah. And the lyrics too, right?
1: Like just the way it kind of lulls along and kind the of rocks canvas, back and forth. The canvas can do miracles. <laughs> like just that line. Just right? you wait and see. And for example, my, my Uncle Bill loves sailing and he loves the song oh, yeah. Sailing. So it must be super evocative of sailing, if people that sail are like, yeah, that is, that is it. It's, a, it's almost like what came first, sailing or sailing. Right. <laughs> the, the song came first and then people were like, you know what? We should try that. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Look, I got it going. <laughs> oh, it's so there's, good. See, that's such
0: a lot. There's that crazy Joni Mitchell tuning. Hey, that's pretty out there, right? That's not a pop. Jam. Find tranquility, Jono. Oh, the canvas.
1: It can do miracles, though. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. He doesn't even change the verse, it's just, it just sings the same verse over and over. That's how good it is. It's like, I don't need to change the words for the second verse. Man, he's
1: so cool.
0: He says the canvas again already.
1: (laughs) I wonder if he's he's (laughs) cross sails.
0: He said the song came from when he was a kid. His friend used to take him sailing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and he said if, I,
0: if if he said if my friend would have take took me bowling it would have been about bowling <laughs> imagine, imagine how great it would have been about bowling the ball hits the mahogany or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it would be the
1: it would be it would be oh my
0: gosh the, the, what would the the wax can do miracles, or the air? When he, what is it when they wave the the the, 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 the finger holes? Yeah. The, no, the, when they put their hands over the
1: the little fan to get their hands dried up. Oh, the pin resetter can work miracles. My father-in-law, one of his first jobs was being a human pin resetter at a bowling alley. <laughs> and you'd wait until Mavs had thrown three balls and then strap on a helmet and poke your head up and reset the pins by hand. Oh, yeah.
0: Imagine how deft he got at that.
1: Yeah, that's a dangerous job. It would have been about oh, here's bowling. A- that's here's so the bridge. <music> Jan- so Key change
0: here. Comes back. It's so good. Good job, Chris.
1: Good job, Chris. Um, I feel like even though it's been a few days, we should talk <coughs> about the passing of Eddie Van Halen.
0: Yeah, that um, was a shock.
1: Well, okay, ish. It was
0: to me. Yeah.
1: Like, like I know, I know it's um. It's uh, unfortunate and and huge and and devastating and all that stuff. But I kind of had it in my head that he's been quite sick for some time.
0: Well, I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, you know um, you hear about people getting sick, and they all you know, generally they they come back and they, it's like they beat it. <clears throat> but. Um, I think any—it's just—it's just sudden. I mean, even you know what we faced with with Gore Downey when it happened, it was still a shock. Even though right. we you all still kind know of,
1: it's coming, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So and uh, sixty-five isn't that old, even though yeah, he did live a pretty hard life for sure. Um, a lot of a lot of drinking and drugs, probably that's again, and smoking. I mean throat cancer
1: do you know the the fred durst eddie van halen story
0: yeah i saw that just recently and i hope it's true i'd like to think it is where yeah they they uh, let him rehearse with them one day and i guess it didn't go too well and he went home and came back with this big armored truck right
1: so they let (laughs) they let who rehearse with who
0: Eddie Van Halen rehearsed, like, jammed with Limp Bizkit. Right. And I guess he, you know, it didn't go great, and he left, but his gear was still there, and he went back to get his gear the next day armed with a gun and this big battle battle truck that he bought, like a tank truck, and he was just standing outside and, like, literally had his guys go in and get it, but, like, had a gun at Fred Durst saying, get get my stuff, let me have my stuff back. Uh, it's pretty out there. Like, it's hard to believe yeah. that story. I just don't understand why he, he'd be so mad and why they would be actually, like, caring that his gear was in there, you know? Like, just take your stuff for sure. So, I mean, it sounds a little ridiculous, but I just kind of hope it's true because Durst is kind of a cheese
1: ball. Well, you've been... Um... <clears throat>
0: I mean, and I we, we have a Durst story with OLP back in the day where Nookie was banging and they were fans of OLP at the time and <clears throat> we figured well whatever we'll try a a, comp, a a whatever a collaboration or something so Rain went to meet with him to like just with acoustic to an acoustic to see what they could come up with. And he like made him wait for hours at this hotel in New York, to the point where, like, like on T- he was on TV, on MTV, while Maida was sitting in the-, in the lobby when he thought-
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so like, jerky.
0: Like he's waiting there, and then then all of a sudden... He looks up, and there's, like, Carson Daly with Fred Durst on, like, MTV Live or whatever, like, just totally snuck out. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I guess that was it. So did Rain wait? He waited for hours, and then when he saw him there, he's like, well, I guess this isn't going to work. Like, forget it. And I think he was like, well, you know, I remember he was like, well, no. I'll write a song and send it to you guys, and we we're like, "Fuck that! No way! You're gonna just re- write record a song? You send us?
1: Forget <laughs> it."
0: So I that get in was the that.
1: Sense Rain probably wouldn't like to look bad. Yeah. In that situation, right? For sure. Oh yeah. He would not have time for that. No,
0: no, definitely not. But who would? You know, like imagine like you're. If you had a, a TV writing gig with some c- celebrity comedian and you did the yeah, same thing, it. waiting there for four hours and then you see him on TV, you'd be, forget this. Because what does it mean when we actually do start working? And then, that, and then, you know what I mean? You see, like, if he's acting this narcissistic now before we haven't done anything, then why would you want to work with someone that is just going to be a big hell collaboration?
1: Well, it's such an obvious... Power play, right? My totally. is more important than yours.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can It kind of is because he's on like the on TV with thousands of kids around the south side of the building, right? But still, yeah. A Little decorum with your civility.
1: <laughs> a Little humility with your civility. <laughs> so, tell me about the first time you met Eddie Van Halen. <clears throat> yeah, well, it was. Uh, do you remember like the very not, first... Well, I, I remember I, the, conversa-
0: the conversation even before because OLP had just started in America. Our our record had come out in 95 and uh, it was that summer. Our record came out in the spring. We had a hit with Starseed on radio and we did like four shows with Page and Plant. That was our first big American shows. And then... Uh, we got. We were trying to do our own to, uh, shows. We were doing a tour with Sponge and Letters to Cleo, my bud Stacy Jones. <clears throat> That's how I met him and those guys. And uh, throughout the uh, America, we did in Ned's Atomic Dustbin, and that tour ended in that early summer, and we got an offer from Van Halen to, to do the Balance Tour that summer. And it was 45 dates and three months and all throughout all of America and Canada.
1: So was there any... You sort of alluded to there maybe being a bit of hesitation. Like, I don't know, is this a good thing for us?
0: Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, this Starseed had... had done really well at alternative radio in America. And at that time, alternative radio was like, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and rock radio was a completely different thing. So this doing this tour would kind of turn our back to alternative radio, which is kind of the hip radio where you get press and all that stuff, as opposed to rock radio, where it's more... Uh, either classic artists classic rock artists or straight ahead rock artists because at this point nirvana had just happened a couple years earlier so there was this big uh, the pendulum went from party rocking in the 80s to all serious and uh, seattle eight yes just like all of a sudden moral compass and everything has changed and it was almost like punk rock again in that regard, culturally, the way that the artists portrayed themselves and how they thought. So, um, yeah, like I grew up a, a Van Halen fan as, as music, musicians, but like not as, as in, in the party rock style of it, because, you know, growing up with my parents, my dad being a jazz drummer and my mom being a huge Dylan and Beatles fan, I wasn't really into... To glamor 80s rock, and it's no fault of of Van Halen, because they begat hair bands, and not and they were never like those bands. They were actually more like a Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or Aerosmith. Right, they're kind
1: of timeless.
0: Well, they were they weren't definitely weren't glam hair band, and uh, what happened from they were late 70s. And then the early 80s, that Sunset Strip L.A. stuff was all, they started that. But they were nothing like those bands, with exception to maybe Guns N' Roses, you know. But most, so um, they did kind of get swallowed up in that genre of rock and 80s rock. And, the, you know, obviously with David Lee Roth and, you know, his perception. And, you know, they, they obviously rode that wave and it was great for them. But, you know, back 1995, the decision was like, well, if we do this, we're kind of kissing alternative radio goodbye. and uh, But we're opening the door of rock radio, which would mean more stations and it would give us kind of more love at radio in middle America. So in the bigger picture, it's it's kind of a no-brainer, but I mean, if you're... A young band that's thinking that you know you're on the cusp of getting in with the alternative bands you kind of are you know we were thinking both ways and it was kind of a bitter yes that we took the tour.
1: Man that's such a tough decision to make It is. But imagine at the same time imagine being like "Mm, I don't know if we want to open for Van Halen Yeah. But you could imagine the Pearl Jams of the world at the time being like man you guys sold out huh?
0: Well, this, this, the craziest thing is, was guess who was opening that tour on the, the Van Halen tour before us? It was Alice Ch- and Chains.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: So, I mean, there, it's all perception, and it doesn't mean anything, really. Like, you should do whatever you can do and what's given to you, and we did. So, But there was a lot of pushback internally on that, and I think it was probably more from Rain. Because obviously being a singer and you're about to, you know, have a chance to be on the covers of the magazines as opposed to not, um, you know, and being in the cool, what what you would perceive as cool as opposed to not cool. I mean, those, those are things that, that are important, but, uh, and I guess as a singer, you have to have your singer um, happy and confident or else things go south after that, right? So, um that tour was good it went throughout the whole thing kind of good and bad like up and down it was amazing for me the whole time but i think we did see a drop in alternative radio and in in that perspective even uh when we came back up to canada so there, there was a change from alternative radio seeing the opening wow. for van halen definitely for sure but whatever i mean i had the the best time talking to to alex and ed who were in my eyes as good a musician as you could possibly be and they took me under their wing and let me hang out with them and and i watched it. alex play every night and um just they were just they were sober at the time so they were uh, were they yeah so they they were trying to keep their minds busy doing other things which was practicing their instruments so they'd get to the venues at, at like one o'clock and be there and on just stage play. and just jam, yeah. So I would just sit there watching them play all the time. They never played Hot for Teacher in their set, but they played it uh, at soundchecks, just Ed and Alex, which is insane. And, Why didn't uh, they
1: play it? Because Sammy didn't want to do it?
0: I'm not sure if Sammy didn't want to do it or they didn't want Sammy to do it. I- I'm not sure. You know, there's some, some songs, I guess, to them either. Were sacred in a way. I don't know, or maybe he, they felt that uh, it just didn't match up the the Sammy Hagar personality. I don't know. They just never did it. So it was uh, it was good to see them do it at soundcheck. But the, uh Alex had a, a some disc issues in his neck because he was he'd been partying for I guess a decade and a half, and now that he was sober, all those aches and pains were coming into fruition with him so he was he was he was always uh ducking out of interviews and meet and greets so they would send me in instead as little al that's why i would do interviews with ed and uh meet and greets and there's even like a picture uh of me with the band with no alex as little al right beside ed that uh, i'll share with this app that's so crazy Mm-hmm. It is, but, um, they were just super kind and genuine musicians. They just wanted to, uh, to share what they had information wise with me. And they appreciated that I was a, a young or eager musician. I was only 20 at the time. So they were even, and Alex had a lot of classic, uh, sage advice for me, like, At the time, I was in every interview, it was like, here's this kid, the young kid, drummer, young, because I was younger than the other guys. And he's like, you're not a kid, you're 20, it's over. (laughs) You know? He also told me, he's like, I don't know, I was just talking to him about musicians, and he's like, you know what? Don't ever play for musicians. They never pay to get in, and they always think they're better than you.
1: Wow. I bet that's true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> out of curiosity, it's the same with comics, the stand-up comics watching other comics yeah. and standing at the back of the room going, "That's funny."
0: Yeah, it's funny.
1: Exactly. Not the one's paying a laugh. No, exactly. Um, out of curiosity, when you're faced with a choice as a band like, "Do we open for Van Halen or not or what's better for us?" Where typically does like management and label Folks fall on that? Do they just chase the money or do they typically try to have a, a bigger picture look at what's yeah. the best long term? Well, I mean, it's, or it, it depends who you get.
0: It's interesting. As long as you're selling records, they don't care. And we were on Columbia as same as uh, Alice and Chains. And at that time, Pearl Jam was on Epic. And there was a difference in those, even though both Epic and Columbia are under Sony, they were different people in each group. And Epic were kind of the more hip, you know, uh, the Rolling Stone and all the press, the, 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 the hot press at the time would go through epic. And even we noticed even Alice in Chains became kind of more uh, rock being on Columbia. So that was a thing that happened. I mean, uh, they, they kind of skewed more to rock radio as opposed to alternative radio Just for that fact of just like the you know where their label heads departments were and the way that they, kind of, their contacts and clients. So it's it's it it was a real thing that that uh, that happened and that we definitely did probably on because on clumsy we had a huge support at at rock radio and you know at a first our first platinum million selling record in America. So obviously all those. Grinds of doing interviews and even being Little Al get to to actually have a plug in all those big stations helped for radio on that next record.
1: Because you kind of picture like some guy in a greasy suit from the label going, guys, we got to do this. Oh, yeah. Crazy. What do you mean opening for Van? Of course you can open for Van Halen. Yeah, for
0: sure. Because that, they have to sell that. Because what else is there? There's no opening for, for, Pearl Jam, we weren't definitely, we didn't have an a, a, a opening act for a band that was heavily on alternative radio, so we had to take what we were getting we did that again in, in the later 90s, we, we had an offer from Bon Jovi to play in Europe, a, a big tour over there, and it was like a, whole, a bunch of money and we said no because we thought it would hurt us in Europe, and it it ended up just being a stupid decision because we would have been done huge in Europe because of it because they were so. What size venues? Stadiums. Does bon Jovi
1: play in Europe?
0: Stadiums like soccer stadiums,
1: like hundred thousand people. Yeah,
0: like Wembley styles. So and then we ended up going and opening for Avril Lavigne later anyway. So what the hell's the difference? And it was great. Even that, like in 2000 or whatever the hell that was, the Skater Boy tour in Europe. Did you? You did
1: stadiums with her?
0: Arenas, yeah. <clears throat> so there you go. He didn't do the Bon Jovi, but we ended up doing the Avril. I'm sure if we did the Bon Jovi, it wouldn't have been a problem either. It's crazy things in the rock and roll world.
1: It's interesting though. Like those are those are difficult <coughs> decisions to make when there are arguments for both and. You know, it's the, the intersection of art and commerce.
0: Yeah, it is. But anyway, it was an honor to, to be able to spend the summer with, with Ed and Alex and uh, just to kind of see how genuine they were as people. That, that infectious smile that you would see Ed have in all those videos was so legitimate and real. He was just such a warm, friendly guy. And, uh, so was there? They're like for his family. They're Alex. on.
1: They're on a private plane, I assume. Uh no, they. Uh,
0: I'm I'm not sure if they flew. They probably flew bigger distances, but uh, I think they had buses. They would just cruise. Did out. they? Yeah, because on those tours, it's literally like two-hour drive. Yeah, it's nothing. So you just go crash, and you're there at some five-star hotel in the morning
1: did you ever go on their bus
0: yeah they had the fresh nice prevos but we that was our first because obviously we did that tour our label was like okay we'll buck up and get you tour support for it so we had like a wicked tour bus a a beautiful van hool Remember the Van Hool's? You know Van Hool buses.
1: Yeah. Why is Van Hool is Van Hool better than Prevost?
0: No, but at the time it's just you don't see them as much. Prevost is probably the Prevost you see the the most. But uh, this was, was this was a Baller Van Hool that uh, was just super tall and had. We were just coming from a van, so it was like moving in from a tiny little one bedroom apartment to. A full house with a backyard, that's what it felt like. There's nothing better. In addition to. Nothing nothing better, man. As a band, like you get. When you get into a tour bus, you feel like just such a relief.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Until you realize you're paying for it. Well, whatever. You're there for a reason, generally. You don't just buy it because you can't have it, right?
1: Um, In addition to Realtor.com, one of my other passion uh, internet hobbies is busforsale.com. Oh, yeah. And so I'm quite versed on the Van Hools and the Prevos. Oh, okay. uh, My new obsession is the double-decker... 24 bunkers do they have that now that like there's a no height
0: restrictions anymore for for them i
1: don't know i don't know if in the states they can take certain highways or they have to avoid certain highways but there are double decker 24 like it must be for like a soccer team or something oh man well i mean double decker just if it's seats who cares but if it's double decker
0: and it's all like Done up in rooms. I, I mean, that's good times for hanging out. If you got like
1: yes, these are double decker, like twenty four bunks. So you go upstairs, and there's twenty four. Uh, that's like the European bunks. tour
0: buses, which were the worst. Yeah, always the worst. They were why busty. Well, because they were two. They just like that double decker, but the top one was all just like little cubby holes and dark, and the bottom was all cubby holes and dark, and there's just just. This little dirty back lounge in the back and tiny TV with a, you know, like one of those black and white TVs in the corner. Like just, you felt like you were in a a submarine. It's the worst. I hope they don't have those anymore. We've been talking
1: about... um, Greasy. uh, obviously, Obviously the timing isn't right just yet, but at some point before the girls get much older... Doing a coast to coaster across Canada, so um, that's one of my little, uh, you know, ways to blow off steam. At the end of the day, is look for possible vessels to take us across the country. Ah,
0: because
1: wouldn't that be an incredible trip,
0: coast to coast? Yeah, yeah. If you're stopping and um, yeah, it would be amazing. So you'd have to do it in like two months at least, just to give. Yeah, that's the plan. Full summer rip. Would you start yeah. east? No, you got to go the yeah. other way. Yeah, I guess you could, and then fly back.
1: Well, no, oh. I think we'd we do a loop. Maybe go from here to BC and then Use a, yeah. down the coast of California. Yeah,
0: right, just do like a the big, yeah, what do you call that, a four-banger when you hit all four corners and in between.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like there's a bus for sale at 2000 Prevos called Boobers. <laughs> it's a 12-bunk sleeper. And it's one forty-five. Really? Yeah. What year? Two thousand. Hundred and forty-five grand. Still, yeah. man, they hold their value, eh? Yeah, they do. It's one forty-five U.S. Obviously, but still. Um, but still, it, it's pretty dialed. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not looking at boobers. That's
0: probably the bu- I was probably on that bus. One of those ones. You think? Two thousand. Probably did the. We used to. We used to have, uh, uh, na- I think, National Nightliner was uh, the coach company, and they'd always be ripping in, ripping in guys, and then Banford up in Canada. He was the bus I'm. Guy.
1: Uh, I just saved a picture of boobers <laughs> and realized how funny it would be when the girls asked to borrow my computer boobers, to watch yeah. something on Netflix, and there's a picture that says boobers on the desktop. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, bus for sale and business for sale. Those are the um, things that bring me well, joy. D-
0: give, me a, There's... give me a couple other ones. I'll see if I can guess because those that's thats crazy, those prices. I guess how much
1: they are? Yeah. Well, here's the dream one. This is a Prevost Coach Marathon. It's a 98. Okay. It's a Marathon XL, but it has one of those like that paint pattern is crazy but fun. Really? Yeah. Um, 45 feet long, sleeps uh, seats 14, sleep 6. It's kind of been made over into a motor home. So it's better than 190,000 miles. What do you think they want for that?
0: Hmm. 160?
1: Yes. Yeah? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Wow.
0: 160. Right on the that nose. That was really
1: impressive. Well, that's
0: like if you, you buy that, when you're like retiring, like instead of buying a cottage and you just rip.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. Okay, here's a, the, the buses all have um, slides now. Yeah, that's the slide outs. So, here's a bus called, <clears throat> uh, okay, it's a 2012 Prevost single slide star coach with two bunks. It's called Blackjack. It's uh, white, it's quite sleek. Looking. Oof. Um has three hundred and thirteen thousand miles on it. Tires are at seventy five percent. What do they want for that? Twenty 220? 550 Oh man. Yeah, cause what like that's what I'm saying. When
0: they're new, they're over a milli? Like a new twenty twenty one two millies? Two million, yeah.
1: Wow, man. That's yeah.
0: unbelievable.
1: I know. Well, here, like, Nickelodeon... Okay, is anyone still listening? Nickelodeon, <laughs> this bus is a 2019. Nickelodeon. pre 45 feet. <laughs> um, it's 1.1 million. But I've seen them for two milsy. Wow. If you go on RV Trader... Well, like, uh, you get, like, what do you get, a million miles at least
0: on those things? Like, you keep them up? Sure. So So, like, why wouldn't you buy an older one? You can soup it up no matter how you want, as long as the engine's...
1: Dirty for you know decades. Well, plus they're just vibey. Yeah. If you look at this '98 um, coach, the Prevost Marathon, it's so cool. Yeah,
0: you know, remember the old? Don't don't even don't uh, don't sleep on the old Eagles, man. Right, the old Eagle buses, like the Willie Nelson yes. ones.
1: Some yeah, and what's the other one? Bluebird. Yeah, yeah. There's some bluebirds that are tight, too, from the 70s. You get a nice eagle. Those things are sweet.
0: I used to rock those things, an eagle. An eagle. You know Chris Christopherson? Was
1: there, like, do you have the nicest bus you've ever been on? Do you remember? Well, we had a... St- or what things are important in a bus?
0: Clean, Cleanliness and no yeah. smell. That's no darts. That's the most important. Oh, right. Yeah, like if you get like a bus after like some band was just like crushing it with darts and and weed and like spilt booze. Snowstorm every night. Yeah, no thanks, man. Like it, that's the worst. You don't need there's um gak
1: residue on your pillowcase. Oh my God, yeah. Does someone do the sheets? Like how yes, does that work? Yes,
0: the driver every once a week. And uh yeah. They maintain it. They they and they they clean it as well. Every good bus company has a solid driver that like the best drivers keep places clean. Obviously, bands shouldn't be messy and pigs, but like keep it keeping it tidy and uh, disappear as soon as you get to the venue. That's the best drivers. Right.
1: You you don't want the hey Jeremy?
0: Oh my God, the guy yeah hanging out styles, yeah yeah no way there'd be grab a couple cold ones once we get to Orlando man. <laughs> there was one guy who, God love him man he was just like wanted to hang and and you know a few conversations next thing you know he thinks you're best friends and he was just there all the time L- sitting on the couch he's like he'd take the buyout. <laughs> we sleep on the bus, right?
1: No. Oh, yeah. Like,
0: you mind if I just take the buyout, save you guys 150 bucks, and I'll just take 50 bucks and sleep in the bunk? All right. Then he's like. So, whose bunk? Like, there was always 12 bunks, so there was always an extra couple bunks.
1: <gasps>
0: so, yeah. We had eight bunks, usually.
1: Because a 12er means it cuts into everyone's space. Yeah.
0: And we didn't, yeah, for sure, we didn't, and there, there's, there's, like, the, the, like, he'd be literally, like, of course, the guy that wanted to sleep on the bus had the worst snoring in the world. And I remember one time, like, getting it, getting it going with my girlfriend at the time and coming out of the bunk and seeing that he was there. And I was like, oh, man.
1: Aww. (laughs) <laughs> wait what is what are the rules as far as that goes you're not allowed to, well, is like, it up to the band or or is there a standing rule like no special friends travel on uh, the bus yeah this
0: was obviously like yeah no no random hooking up on the bus or just bringing people on definitely but this was like yeah like
1: aren't there um, hanger honors like this is Colby from high school
0: well, I remember the funniest thing ever one time we were having a band argument a big fight in the front lounge parked on a day off like fighting about something stupid um and uh a, a tech another classic loved tech came on the bus with some not not the uh just no daisy let's say <laughs> 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 like it was like some In middle America And it was some theme park nearby Like that kind of like Picked up some Some, <laughs> some girl that, Like <laughs> getting banged up at a, at a fair Like that styles
1: On a day off, a day off. Thought he'd wheel some road strange yeah. As Graham Chittenden would say yeah. And this guy wasn't
0: afraid to hit the yellow pages If you know what I'm saying Oh, uh, dear. A while. So, I mean, this is. Some back page Yeah, so anyway, he comes on the bus in the middle of this argument, and he's got this girl with him, and he's got their walking hand in hand through the front lounge, <laughs> and they go through the bunks. And we're. No! They go to the back lounge, and we're fighting still, like, are, trying to ignore it, like, that he came on there. And then the the bus just starts moving like crazy. No. (laughs) The bus, like a 45 foot bus, just starts getting rocked.
1: Uh, Oh. Did everyone just start laughing? We just started laughing
0: and left. Got off. (laughs) I don't even know if we laughed. It was more like still probably so pissed off at each other.
1: Like, fuck you and just get out. (coughs) <coughs> through the crowd, like, excuse yeah. me, guys. Sorry, yeah. excuse me. I got
0: something here. No, don't mind me, right?
1: Ah, uh,
0: yeah, classic. Gotta love it though, you know, little taste, slice of life, slice of touring life, yeah, little slice. But yeah, tell you what, man, gotta rest easy, Eddie, because uh, no one was finer on that guitar. Than Eddie Van Halen, his rhythm prowess was uh, second to none, like just incredible.
1: Uh, so, what other sneaky? I like, I called them like the show day habits and stuff. Did he have? They were like this. Like, was there like don't talk to him a few minutes no, before the show no, or never?
0: See that was, he was the complete opposite of that. He was like, you know, he he's the kind of guy that would like tell you, ask you about your show, and he or you'd be playing and he'd be standing there watching and just uh super supportive like i don't think uh it was so cool to have have them be so nice because you know with all that other stuff going on the pressures the label and fighting about whether to do it or not and i think even alex and ed were just like you know don't worry about that shit like that's all just doesn't matter just go out and play and play well and that's what we did and i honestly uh I'm sure if if I saw Alex tomorrow, it'd be like, you know, time hadn't passed. He's just, they were sweet guys. And, you know, they were uh, immigrant kids that came to America young and were, their mother was Indonesian and their father was from the Netherlands and they grew up. Wow. They grew up uh, bullied as you know for they they would call them half-breeds as they were kids and they dealt with bullying so badly in the Netherlands that they moved to to America and it was still difficult in Pasadena when they were kids because they couldn't speak English so they 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 grew up uh, you know in a tough environment being bullied constantly and they poured themselves into their instruments and that's why they were so great. Their father was a clarinet player, jazz clarinet player. Really good. Really. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so they were still students of the craft. Always. Oh, that's
0: why I think I, uh, I, I kind of saw so much in it, it, Alex because my father was a, a just a kind of a, a career musician, blue collar musician. If you will, and he really respected that, and um, you know, he uh, that all I cared about was was playing drums and and getting better at it. I wasn't into drinking or doing anything at all back then, other than drumming. And both of them, obviously being sober at the time, they they appreciated that too. So. Um, it was a bummer actually because we ended up some I can't remember how, something happened at the end rains back went out I think and we couldn't do the last three shows so we never got to really say goodbye properly. So
1: no way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean that was kind of unfortunate how it ended but I mean I always uh I'd spoke to Alex a few times on the phone after that and um they were always cool and like I said I'm sure if I saw Alex again now it would be great but uh i'm gonna miss ed that's for sure so what about sammy sammy was kind of cool you know remember that story when uh because he that was the end of the sammy days that tour that they, they were they his wife was out with him they didn't they were separated all the time sammy had a little solo set in this in the show he did? yeah he had a different manager They had Ray Daniels, who was uh, Rush's manager at the time. Like, Ray Daniels was managing Van Halen for a bit. And uh, I'm sure that had to do with the connection with us and how we got the tour as well. Thanking Ray Daniels for that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I lost my train of thought. So
1: the the band would leave the stage for a few minutes and Sammy would rip a few of his solo tracks yeah, it, oh, and it wow. was clear
0: that it was over. So that was the last tour with Sammy. And then remember they I remember speaking on the phone with Alex when we were doing Clumsy the album and he was like, "What do you think of Sass Jordan?" I'm like, "Sass Jordan." He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Wow. She sings awesome. Like that that's crazy. That'd be great." So I thought for a minute Sass Jordan was going to be their new singer. But they they Crazy. went with Gary Sharon. But she,
1: and that didn't last. No,
0: not at all. And then they went uh they didn't go with anyone. They went back to D- to Dave again or Sammy again. I can't remember. Maybe Sammy and then Dave. <clears throat> but it was clear that uh, they weren't doing anything more with Sammy on that tour and we did play with Sammy in his own band. And Slash at a at a Chicago festival. I think it was at the House of Blues, and that was that classic moment when we went into Sammy's dressing room, and he's like, "Hey guys, how you doing, man?" And the drummer in, in his band was like on the couch, and he was like forty something with like the uh, wife beater, but like the the wife beater that's like knit. Big knit and like mesh, so you can see the nipples and everything. Aww. Like one of those shirts.
1: And he was having a <laughs> and little nap. He
0: was having a little nap on the couch, and he's like, "What's this bullshit,
1: man? Quit leaving! Get up!" <laughs> I thought Sammy wanted to keep the party I, I didn't going.
0: No, it was before they were playing, so he was really pissed off that the drummer was falling asleep because he, we just, here OLP comes in this band, young band. And he's all like, hey, guys, how you doing with his new band? And the drummer's sleeping on the couch.
1: They were oldsters. So he was all
0: pissed off that the guy was, like, slacking, I guess, right? So he was really mad. But for him to say quit leaving, I'll never forget that term, like, for sleeping. Like, quit leaving, man. It's just such a great way to look at it. Did you say
1: Slash was there? Yeah,
0: Slash's snake pit was on the bill, too. Did you ever meet him? Uh, I don't think so like just yeah not, not really. really I've seen him around I like him I think
1: he, oh I think he's
0: do you? I think he's really talented yeah but what have salad you know <laughs> yeah I mean what have you know <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I, I, like I only, I think I only said hello to Tommy Lee because he's a drummer and just in that regard I've seen him around. That like seeing him around. A few times. So, d-
1: did he say hi back? Yeah,
0: I've seen Tommy Lee enough. In a period of like parties, I guess over a couple years, to re- him at least remember my face. But he was always getting. Better. Is he a
1: nice dude? Not really. Like, by well, all
0: accounts. I don't know. I don't. I'm sure he's probably a nice dude that likes to have a good time. But. I mean, right. the guy drinks. He says he himself he drinks two gallons of vodka every day. So anyone who's anyone who's doing that can't be fine or cool, you know. Like there's there's no there's no amount of devil horns in the air to make two gallons of vodka. Like yeah, man, we're having a great day, buddy. Oh, you know, like that's just like you might as well be in a hospital bed if that's how you're rolling
1: because you're going to be. Man, imagine what you would have to drink just to make it straight I, again. I, I, just to get back to zero.
0: I can't imagine having to have that much like to drink that much. Imagine how sick you'd be from 1 gallon of vodka the next day. To have <laughs> to think to have two of them. Like do you if you I don't know if that would happen. I'd probably die if I had 2 gallons. And if I didn't die of alcohol poisoning, I would probably wouldn't be able to even look at it for a, a hundred years and that's, ever. Two gallons is oh. is that like two seven fifties or is that two one thousand mils? Well, that's more. It's more than the seven fifty, right? So it's like a 40, two
1: forties yeah. Is that what it is? Uh, stand by. <laughs> Two gallons to liters is 7.5 liters.
0: <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? What is he freaking... That's a lot. That's like, that's like almost like drinking one of those water coolers of vodka a day.
1: Yeah. That's like uh, my sister-in-law deep fried a turkey last <laughs> you night. Two gallons And of she oil. had uh, like... Well, she had a 15 liter... A gallon of canola oil thing from Costco. And so it was half of one of those. It is. It's like a water... Cooler. So like
0: when Tommy Lee's coming over for a party and he doesn't have drinks on him. Like what's what do you gotta do? Eventually oh, you're man. gonna be out of drinks.
1: Like how early in the day do you have to start drinking... Well, because I, sure I think he guzzles
0: it. Like, I I remember Rain said he was at a party one time and he walked in and gu- guzzled a whole bottle of Jack Dan, like a, a whole bottle of Jack Daniels in, like in the part, like, you know, like in front of everybody. And like, yeah, and then like that, like that's what he did at the party. But and then, this was what, like, you I don't know, if 10, 10 years ago, you know, 12 years ago or something. <coughs> Imagine if you
1: it's rock and roll, if man. You drink that
0: much, like a whole bottle right there. You like eventually, like you won't you just go on the couch and then piss the couch and pass out or whatever? Like that. Well, that's what. <laughs> like I mean. what, what or how, how would you not? That's farf? what I'm saying. Like how do you how do you keep rolling around and going? Maybe the scoops, right? The scoops. Oh, the I scoops. see. Scoops. Scoops to soak I it guess up. If you do the scoops, that takes you to that next stage.
1: <laughs> well happy thanksgiving yeah bud. right that's it happy thanksgiving to everybody and uh we'll talk again next week but is this our first one banger i think we've
0: done a one banger before this year i know Tim- timbo's gonna be so Tim happy one bangers line her up and let her out
1: what's not hey tomorrow? buds good job good job bud <laughs>